Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fence Outlet is the only fence company that manufactures their own white and tan tongue and groove privacy vinyl fencing in the state of Florida. For 25 years, they've provided the best in fencing for Florida. Set up appointments online for your free estimates. Go to fenceoutletonline.com. Social Security case, dial pound 529 on your cell. Pound law, that's all. And now, now, it's the Mike Kelter Show. Thank you to everybody who was so quick to point out that, what's his name, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence did lose his last game in high school, too. Thanks. Okay, so he lost one game in high school, one game in college so far. Good for him. He's still a great quarterback. Oh, you're at Mike's not I'm sorry. Jameis never lost a game until his final game in college. Not even in high school? No. Wow. Well, good for you, Jabo. That's why it's been tough. In, He's here making in Tampa. up for it in the NFL, though. <laughs> <laughs> it does got to be tough when you never lose a game, like a lot of these guys do. They get the NFL and they have to actually start losing. Well, my my favorite thing is always, um, what is it? What's my favorite thing? Jay? <laughs> I don't know. It's your, it's your favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite thing. Oh, is, I know. Oh, it I know. It is it being is. friendly is when Thrifty. there's a there's like three teams that are undefeated. In college, and then one's ranked so much higher than the other one. I'm like, yeah. nobody lost the game. I don't know. Anyway, uh, no, Galvin, I was I was thrown off because I was trying to find some music that I could play for you, mm-hmm. and I think I got one right here. Okay, stand by because this person will be in the studio with us on Friday. Oh, it's live. will be here finally finally uh if you don't know the polka king you don't have netflix there's a movie on netflix about the polka king gan levon his meetings with the pope his troubles with the law and of course him doing polka music and he's played by jack black and then immediately when it's over you have the option to watch the actual documentary that they made both are awesome yeah the documentary is great I recommend watching the movie first and then the documentary. Like, uh, My Name is Dolomite is a great movie with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And I love. I thought it was perfect. It was really good. But it's not until you know how how close to reality that movie is where you really appreciate it. It's just a funny, silly movie if you watch it. But if you know it's a true story, and when Eddie Murphy re- reenacted the scenes in the movie, right. they wore the same clothes, they shot in the same places, and uh, that's really how... That guy got into the movies. So, uh, two things I recommend: the Polka King, and on Netflix. On right? Netflix, yeah, okay. it's with Jack Black. I turned it on one day, and I'm like, "What is this Jack Black movie? I don't know about <laughs> the Polka King." And I'm like, "All right, let me watch it." And it's a true story. So I watch it, and it right out of the gate, it's great. And then uh, after that, they said you may also like this, and it was the Polka King documentary. And I watch it, and I'm like, "This is even better than the movie." And then Jan Levon got the message that I 
uh, have been talking about him, and he called in on our request line. Said, Somebody told yeah. me I must have called you. <laughs> uh, so he will be in the studio with us performing. All right, they're going to perform in the studio? I believe so, yeah. Oh, my God. Of course Beautiful. I'm bringing my bass. I want to say I played Rihanna <laughs> oh, Bond. No. All right, that is happening on Friday. Get Spanish. Please go get... Um, I almost said Jack Black, but he's not here. Craig Gass. Do you enough. still have the uh, accordion signed by Weird Al, or did you give that to uh, Drew? No, I, I, I did give it to Drew, but then Drew never took it, so I ended up back in my office, but oh. I do have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, do have, I, might have Jan, I might have Jan Levant sign it, too. The Polka King. The do you polka bring king? in your uh, trombone, or what do you play? Trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah, oh bring in the God. trumpet. I'll bring oh, my we got, we got ourselves a little band. It'll be fun. Craig Gass is here. How are you doing, pal? I'm excited to be here, man. I uh, was just reminded that... It was just a crazy thing because I've only I've only done your show like I don't think that many times, but it turns out that two of my most regrettable uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. prank phone calls I've ever made in my life oh, yeah. both happened with you. I know and when one I, is when the I Steve-O say one, one Stevo, uh-huh. and another one where I said something that I didn't realize what I was saying. To, that happens to me a lot to Bert Kreischer. Um, the the Stevo one was um, Stevo is in studio. Stevo's in studio. He's about to do a show this upcoming weekend at the time. Yeah, with Tom Arnold. Right. And I said to you, I don't think anybody on the planet besides me does a Tom Arnold impression. That's right. And I said I should call in, and I had this idea that I thought would be funny, which is to say. Uh, I've relapsed. Uh-huh. It was great, and I took it all the way to the, to a point to where Steve-O was you like, "You wanted to quit after a while," and I kept pressuring yeah. you to keep going. You get, yeah, and Steve-O started to go, "Hey, this isn't funny anymore, man." <laughs> Steve-O and I are friends, and Steve-O looked at me and he goes, "Mike, this is we got to stop this." And I was we, like, "Oh my we god, gotta stop doing this, man! Yeah. This isn't funny, man! We yeah. got to take him off the air." Hey, man, call me, call me on my cell, dude. We yeah. need to talk. And he's such a loving guy. Yeah, and I and I. I was I was trying to make it absurd, and uh, you were like, "Wait, what do you mean?" You said, "You said Tom, you can't make it in town yet." And I said, "No, nah, man, I I'm, uh, I messed up, and I drank, and uh, I did some heroin. I I put some uh, uh, I did some anal something yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just started through licking. We just started toads, making yeah. up stuff, and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, I just started thinking about that fat bitch I was married to, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and I just man, I I messed up, and Steve-O took it really seriously, oh, yeah. and then. Uh, a few years before that, uh, Bert Kreischer was in here telling a story about <laughs> Tracy Morgan that he said, I don't know if I should be telling this story. Uh, and then you said, hey, let's call him. And we called him as Tracy Morgan. And I kept saying, Bert, you messed up. <laughs> you messed up. You shouldn't have messed up. I'm not happy. And Bert Kreischer just kept going, that's a really good. Uh, and I'm doing Tom Arnold. Yeah. Uh, Bert Kreischer goes, he goes, man, that, that's a really good. Uh, that's a good Tracy Morgan impression. And I go, I go, no, it's really Tracy Morgan. And we kept going and going. And I mentioned a comedian that Bert and I used to hang out with a lot named Todd Lynn that nobody has seen for right. a while. So he was like, Ugh. And I said, you know, Todd Lynn, remember how nobody sees Todd Lynn anymore? I killed him. Bert, I killed him, and I didn't find out until after the prank call. He died. He, died. he was dead. I didn't know that he was dead. And at one point, Bert Kreischer actually stopped and went on the air. Said, "I'm really, I'm sorry, man. I, I, uh, and again, I'm doing Tom Arnold again. But he goes, uh, he goes, I messed up. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean anything by it. And and Bert started getting like really yeah. above it. Too. it was, yeah, I forgot about that one. I feel terrible for those prank calls. Why? Those are. Are you dying? Uh, no, I just, I feel terrible because... Did you shave your head shaved? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my head's been shaved for a while. But, I, but I'm talking about, not because not of your head, but because of your Facebook post, I wanted if you were dying. Somebody else asked me that if I was dying. I Although, uh, although I think what you're doing is a great idea. Yeah. But it also could be indicative of something else. Well, I'm turning 50. Right. In February. Where it's acceptable to die now. And mm-hmm. and I just uh, wanted to... I think that with so many of my friends who have died, mm-hmm. they it's always like, man, the tributes come in of how much that person was appreciated. Right. And But it's never said while they're still alive. See, now I am a guy who will tell people they're alive. Like, I, like I'll be thinking one day about this one guy who really helped me out and blah, 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 and I'll shoot that guy an email and say, hey, I just want to say thank you, and I'll tell him now because yeah, I know I one day too. he's going to die. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, I've done that with my family. I've done that with friends. Uh, I I just I do that. I tell them now while, while you're alive. I always wonder when you go to a funeral, like I'm dying to see what my funeral will look like. Everybody who liked me, who didn't like me, who whispers in the corner. I want to know yeah. the whole deal, but you don't. So you might as well just tell people now. Uh, so they don't wonder. I'm always with that mentality too, and I'm always telling people I love them. Yeah, and uh, but I wanted to. Uh, a comedian friend of mine did a thing a few years ago where he did an awesome person recognition of the day, mm-hmm. where every day he called out a different person for 365 days and talked about why they were so awesome. Well, I don't know if I know 365 awesome people. <laughs> well, that was the thing That's is terrible. I had to I had to make a list. Yeah. And I made a list of about 100 people, and I was like, man, I don't know if I can cut this. But every day on my Facebook, I'm thanking everybody who helped me, from the guy who told me to do stand-up to Bob Rivers, who was my first radio gig, right. to George Carlin, who was my mentor and, and was always like a father figure to me, to Howard Stern, mm. um, and all the comedians and everybody in between. So, yeah, just every day on my Facebook, I'm just saying thank you to somebody or something uh, like uh, just the uh, just chasing your dreams is a big thing for me. Yeah, yeah, and you uh, know? And, and you know it's inspirational. I, I have so we have so many questions for you. Yeah, is that is that really Obama? No, it's not. I see Joe Bartnick. And I see a guy that looks like Obama. Next oh, yeah, to Bartnick and I bowled with a guy that looked like Obama. Oh, he did look just like him. He was an Obama impersonator. Okay, well, he looks good, that guy. Yeah. All right, you want to know our questions? Can we start with a question? Please. Okay. By the way, the last time I was in here, my favorite question... <laughs> <laughs> Mike goes, he goes, I've been dying to ask you this. I've always wanted, I've known you for a long time. I've always wanted to know. And I said, yeah, well, go ahead, please. And he said, is your family really deaf? And yeah, that like, was, yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Uh, Craig uh, uh, says that his parents are deaf. And, and sister, right? And the, that's a reason Craig, why he's so good at impression. <laughs> Craig said. Yeah. yeah. No one can confirm this. <laughs> we have not right. verified it. I have no reason like, to believe he's lying. nobody's ever met my family. <laughs> I, nobody has ever said to me, oh, it's true. I met his mom. Can't hear a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, no, okay, so here's the other thing. We were talking about this this morning, and I said that you and I, although we don't see each other very often, mm-hmm. maybe once a year at best, sometimes less than that, uh, we do text every once in a while or Facebook message and stay in touch. And I said, Craig is just a good guy. He's yet to do anything to me that make me go, you know, like, and people do that. I Even celebrities, I'm like, oh, this guy's a pain in the ass. Uh, never, never done that way. And then we were saying today how you there are certain people who hang out backstage and there's certain people who weasel their way backstage. You seem to be more of a hangout than a weaseler. You are invited backstage. Invited backstage. Oh, yeah. 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 Everybody likes you in all in all walks of life. Like you're backstage with bands, you're hanging out with comedians. No one has football a, football play football NFL other, games. I saw you at the at the Seahawks game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are everywhere. You, you are a, everywhere. You need to write a book about it. 
and it's called Backstage with Craig. How do yeah. you like that? Boom. I just did it. Well, we, we've, been, <laughs> we've been pitching a show about called Backstage Gas because half the thing is that I always like to invite somebody to experience that I know would enjoy it. Right. And by the way, dude, there I can't tell you how often every concert I go to, I always get passes and tickets, right? Uh, the tickets are usually great seats, right. usually like in the first few rows. But the passes get me anywhere I want to go. I can stand on stage. I can you know, go anywhere I want. So I usually give the tickets away. I'll go, to, if it's a stadium, I'll go all the way to the top. Of the, I want to find the person that's in the last row right, that's, a- that's on their feet. Uh-huh. Right. The yeah. last row. And even though they have the worst seats in the house, they're rocking out. And you would be shocked how often I will walk up to people and go, hey, man, you want to sit in the front row? I'm good, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't no, believe yeah. it. I'm not shocked. <laughs> I look rapey. Apparently. <laughs> I tried to do the same thing. So my, my old boss, uh, Tom Rivers, said, hey, I got second row seats for this country concert. I want you to go up there, introduce yourself to somebody at the very, very top, and tell them you'd like to upgrade them to the front. I was like, okay, cool. So I went all the way up there, and I looked for I looked for people who were having a great time all the way in the back. So I find these four girls. They were like maybe high school seniors, maybe a little bit older, and they were all jumping up and down. No one around them. You could barely see the stage. And I said, hey, how are you guys doing? They were like, yeah, great. And I said, I'm a cowhead from the country station, and I want to give you guys these tickets to the front row. And the one slutty girl was like, yeah. And the other girl was like, don't do it. Don't do it, Carol. Don't do it. I'm like... Carol doesn't have to do anything. He's going to touch you. Yeah. He's going to touch you, Carol. The, yeah, I'll put these here, and you guys are good. <laughs> then I went back away. <laughs> then I went to wrestling, and I had a pair of front row tickets to wrestling, and I thought, I'm going to go find like a single mother in the in the crab seats and make that little kid's day and tell him his mom got him this surprise, you know? So I went all the way to the top. And let me tell you something. Being a fat guy, walking around the 300 level, climbing those stairs is not an easy task. I've never been to the 300 level before, and I'm up there trying to find somebody. So I see this lovely yeah, woman. Just take these tickets. Yeah. For the love of God. I'm going to die. She take my seats. She's with her uh, little child, and she's a black lady. And I think it's important to point out because it makes it even weirder that I'm coming up to talk to her. Yeah. And I go, how are you doing? And she's like, good. And I'm like, I work for a radio station. I have these tickets. And these are front row tickets. And she's like, we good. And I go, no, no, you don't understand. I go, they're front row. You see that down there? That's where you're going to sit. Free. They're yours. You can yeah. have them. And she's like, and the kid's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And she's like real hesitant. And I go, just follow me out. We'll go down there and I'll show Ooh. you. Your and the minute we got in the hallway, she's like, I don't, I go, okay. I go, you take the tickets. <laughs> I got to take my pants off. You go first. <laughs> I go, I'll find my own way down. And you go. And then as she came down and sat at the opposite end of the row in the front row with me, and I looked over and gave the thumbs up. The kid was like, "Yeah," and she was still the entire time was was <laughs> had anxiety <laughs> like something was going to happen. She thought she was going to have to bang cane when it was over. You had to have like an official shirt or something, uh, or like a security yeah. shirt for people to believe you. I would just well because you see like you know you hear all these uh, stories about scalpers and stuff giving yeah. you tickets for the mm. wrong date, so it's just yeah. sketchy. You don't want to leave your seat and then get. But how up. do you not trust yourself? To not understand there's an opening there. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, the reason I ended up hanging out with Bill Murray at the World Series. Right. We were going to, that was one of our other questions. Was the, um, uh, I I got tickets to game six. I've always said that I will never go to the World Series unless the Chicago Cubs play in the World Series, to which all my friends would say, then you're never never going to the World Series. And the Cubs made it to the World Series playing the Cleveland Indians. Game six and seven are in Cleveland. And uh, a friend of mine, who works for another team for the Pirates, let me buy tickets. I bought six tickets for games six and seven. 
At Game 7, I'm texting friends of mine who live in Cleveland and a buddy of mine who owns a really popular chain of restaurants called The Melt. It's okay. a grilled cheese restaurant. Ooh. They have 30 different types of grilled cheese that sandwiches. I would like, yeah. Oh, it's magical. And I texted the guy and said, hey, man, are you here? And he said, dude, I'm in the third row, and I'm sitting behind Eddie Vedder and, and John Cusack. And I said, well, if you hmm. want to meet up, let me know. And he said, well, you won't be able to get to me because I'm, I'm behind a wall of cops here. Right. So as I'm walking around the stadium uh, connecting with different friends who are in Cleveland, a black guy who is an employee of the Indians. And I, I point out that he's black because of what's unusual about what comes out of his mouth next. He goes, uh, yo, weren't you on... Uh, that metal show and I was like <laughs> I go are you a metal head he goes yo I love metal and I was like are you who are your favorite bands and he said Metallica and Kiss and I was like oh my dude first of all I'm the first comedian that ever opened for Metallica uh, and you know Gene Simmons hates me right and he goes yeah. what and I go you don't know about Gene oh my god I start telling him stories and this guy he works for the Indians and he's talking to me, and every couple of minutes, he's got to stop because a ticket holder walks up to him, and he goes, oh, oh, wait, hold on, let me just scan your ticket. Okay, you're good. Let me give you the wristband. Okay. Oh, and he keeps talking okay, to me, yeah. and he's handing out wristbands to people, and I go, what are the wristbands for? And he goes, oh, it's um, it's for this private club uh, behind home plate. It's called the, the Home Run Club, and... Uh, you want one? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and he put the wristband on me, and then he said, so um, so what was the deal with Gene Sims? I go, uh. Say <laughs> <Play> later. <laughs> he might have fight. And he goes, oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. And I ended up behind home plate. The This private suite is 10 rows behind home plate. And I texted my buddy, and he snuck me down to the third row when the wife, it was one of the wives of one of the Cubs players, left the game because she had a baby with her with no ear protection. Oh, wow. And he said, you can sit next to me. And I end up sitting in the third row. John Cusack's in front of me. Eddie Vedder's in front of him. And then I started filming at the end of the game in the bottom of the tent when the Cubs were about to win the game. And I felt somebody leaning on me as I was doing a Facebook Live. And it was Bill Murray. He was drunk (laughs) and crying. Oh, that's hilarious. All the shots, all the footage of that. You know what you are? You're a real-life Forrest Gump. You know, all things happen yeah. to Forrest Gump over over his lifetime. That's what that you living at Eddie Van Halen's house. Yeah, uh, you I know, forgot about that. Opening for Van Halen, living with Mitch Hedberg. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, all the being on the praying field with Dave Mustaine, right, <laughs> praying with Dave Mustaine, being on the field of the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. But I always want to bring somebody along to say you got experiences too. Right, right. So, right. And, so I, um, I explained this morning the world's worst situation when you were like, "Come on out to." See Pearl Jam. I have uh, I have two tickets and I have a pass, so you can have my. Oh, tickets. that's right. I had an all access pass. And then for you. you had two access pass. I was like, oh. that's right. What was the deal? Why couldn't you make it? It was something. I had some. It was my kid something or whatever. I don't know. I couldn't go. I was very upset. Yeah, it's like um, uh, my buddy uh, who you met, Holmberg from Phoenix. Um, do you remember meeting him at the Super Bowl years ago in Tampa? Oh yeah, it was with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to like GameStop or something to watch the game. Yeah, remember, yeah. Um, Holmberg, uh, he is a huge. He's the biggest Cubs fan, and he's got like a, a Cubs uh, man cave at his house in Phoenix. And I offered him a ticket to Game Seven, and he was like, oh, "I don't know if I can go." And then when he saw me on TV oh. with Bill Murray, he was like. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. yeah. I mean, you gotta. I think you just. I think you just gotta go for it. I mean, you, you should. You should screen capture that and frame it and give it to him for his man cave. Yeah. Oh, he's. Other people have. Other yeah. people, and it's. Uh, 
I book all my shows around my favorite baseball team and my favorite football team schedule, so I can go to as many games as possible. Yeah, Rich Voss books all his gigs by golf courses, so I understand. <laughs> oh, that's right. Do what you and Burr, do. Burr does the same thing. He always wants to go to hockey games in every arena. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, please, let, let me... By the way, I should point out, the reason I'm here is I'm performing at Pegasus Lounge on Saturday night. We're just doing one show. It's a small room. Right. So it'll fill up really quickly, and uh, all the info is at getgas.com. It's getgas with two S's.com. But but I like the questions. I like where we're going with this, so... Uh, well, I, I just... There are so many other... The other thing I want to know is... Um, and this is a little bit more personal, but uh, financially, are you set for? Do you have money from something uh, other than comedy and work? I mean, you've been Craig's been on TV shows. You've been, you've had a lot of you've had a good career, but you uh, you seem to be traveling and living the life. I mean, you have no kids, right? Yeah, never been so married. That's a little bit that frees you up a little bit money wise yeah. there. Um, but you are living a great life for a guy who like should have some money. You know what I mean? And I, I have some money. I yeah. mean, when I turn 50, I'm flying a bunch of friends out to Hawaii with me. I mean, oh, that's a lot of money. That's why I don't want to where you getting all this money from. Uh, doing gigs. Not the Pegasus Lounge. No, no, no. Yeah. The Pegasus Lounge will just basically cover the trip so I can get out here. I'm performing with Chris Jericho on the... On the cruise? Well, it's like Chris Jericho and Fluffy. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Glacius and uh, a bunch Is of... Is this on the cruise? He's on the cruise and uh, a bunch of professional wrestlers and a bunch of rock bands. And we're doing the rock and wrestling cruise that's taking off next week. So I wanted to come in now early. this one sold out, too. He sold out the first cruise. Sold the whole goddamn book. Good for Jerry. We love Jerry. Yeah. Chris is awesome. He's, mm. he's just... You know what's great about Chris is he's a super fan of the same stuff that we're a fan of. Like yes. he, I ended up running into him at a Guns N' Roses concert once and... He repeatedly through the show would just stop and go, "Oh my god, yeah. dude!" He goes, "Dude, this right here, yeah. this is the greatest <laughs> Guns N' Roses song of all time." Because the solo, the li- dude, this is, and I was he, like, "Dude, I agree with you." And then five minutes later, he goes, "Oh, dude, no, I'm sorry, no, this this one, <laughs> this is the greatest Guns N' Roses song of all time." And every time he kept stopping and and. And saying, no, this is... Like, nobody wanted to fight him. Like, no, nobody no, was going to yeah, be like, no, yeah, dude, you. F you. Like, he was he, he was yelling at me at a Guns N' Roses concert for not being excited enough. Really? And he goes, uh, is this awesome? I go, yeah, this is pretty... I was exhausted. I go, this is pretty cool. He goes, pretty cool. Uh, and he's like, it's Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, I, I know, I'm having a great time, Chris. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, he is... He's like a... a he, he's somebody that when you're... That you're happy for his success because he also is loving his life and doing... Everything he wants to do, and he's done everything in the world. He's been a successful and successful, successful radio host, successful wrestler. I mean, uh, podcast host, uh, wrestler, author, uh, game show host. I mean, he's done everything. You know what I mean? And and he's and he's enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, he's. Uh, I Cruise just I, I love that guy, and and he lives here in Tampa, right? Yeah, he lives yeah. there, but he's been in the studio with us a lot. I've known him for a long time, and he's always been uh, he's been great. And the, and the whole thing, he's so so. I think it's Brent Fritz who plays yeah. bass for Slash. Drums. Drums. Drums, okay. Yeah. Uh, Fitz is the one who introduced me to him. Okay, so he's like, I told Jericho that I was going to uh, uh, see, it was Slash was doing a solo show. And he's like, oh, I, I, I grew up with uh, Fritz. Fritz or is it Fitz? Fitz? Whatever, Fitz. So afterwards, we go backstage and I talk to him. I go, hey, I said, just talk to Jericho. He said, he goes, oh, man. He goes, we used to sit around and go, there's... Two ways to get out of Canada: to either be a wrestler or a rock star. No, He's like, way. Chris chose wrestling. I chose rock star, and then Chris also chose rock star. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I was, he goes. We just wanted to get out of Canada so bad, 
and uh, and you know just do that. Chris has some really funny stories about being a super fan, and one of my favorites is that every time the World Wrestling Federation would come to uh, where did they grow up? Um, Canada, in no in Winnipeg, but Winnipeg uh, yeah, in Winnipeg, and uh, he said that. <laughs> Whenever the professional wrestlers would come, he found out what hotel they were at. That, that's how much of a super fan he was, and he'd go to the hotel to meet the wrestlers. And after a while, I guess other kids also figured out where the wrestlers would stay at every year. So everyone would end up getting pictures with the wrestlers. So Jericho needed something better right. than the pictures they were getting. So, And this is genius. Him and his buddy devised a thing where they would see a wrestler get off the bus to start walking into the hotel, and they would stand on either side of the hallway, and they would take turns. They'd, they'd switch on every wrestler. When the wrestler would start to walk past him, either Chris or the guy or his buddy would start walking alongside the wrestler, mm-hmm. and then he'd go, Yo, Hulk! And then Hulk would look, and then Chris would be on the other side, like, just casual, like, <laughs> Oh, here's me just walking down. There was, like, a casual <laughs> shot of, like, Oh, yeah, this is me and uh, Hulk checking into the hotel. And he got all these shots, except apparently his friend was really crappy at doing it. His friend would, like, take the shot where Jericho would be buried behind the wrestler, right, and you wouldn't see Chris see behind him, there. Yeah. He's like, you're doing it all wrong. you got to get me in my head in front. And he's like, oh, no, I'm trying, I'm trying. But, yeah, but uh, I, I thought that was brilliant. But to answer the question you asked earlier, financially, I'm not rich, but I'm doing okay. Well, I mean, not- according to the Internet, which I – now, I don't know this or not, but this <laughs> is ridiculously untrue, I'm going to say. Dude, haven't you seen your own net worth – I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm even on there. I know that there's a thing where you can see pictures of my wife, which is a sign that you're almost famous when yeah. you when mm-hmm. people. But according to Wikipedia, Forbes, IMDb, and various online resources, Craig Gass's net worth is eighty nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. <laughs> which I got to say is off by little... about eighty nine million dollars. <laughs> that is a, 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 a musician friend of mine just texted me a screenshot of that, and I went, "Man, that is." Do you have a, an opportunity to influence this? I think that'd be hilarious. No, uh, that'd be hilarious. But uh, that that reminds me of a comedian that I I used to live with who uh, who said to me and another comedian friend of mine, he said, "Have you guys ever heard of comedy dot com?" And we were like. No, and he goes, oh, because apparently, I guess I'm I'm the number one Selling most searched the, uh... comedian on that. I'm like I'm like I'm more popular than Dave Attell and Dave Chappelle. And we were like, really? And uh, later that night, we came home at one o'clock in the morning, and he was drunk. He had a bottle of wine, and he's on his laptop, and he was searching his own name. We caught him searching, uh, and apparently, that's the way. Every time you hit search, it knocks you up a notch. And he spent all night just searching his name so that he would end up at the top of the website. Dude, it was so funny. It was so funny. That's hilarious. But no, I'm not worth $89 million, but I'm doing all right. Craig Gass is here. Uh, After his show at the Pegasus Lounge, he'll be worth $90 million. (laughs) When is that show? Saturday? Saturday night. We're going to do one show at 7 p.m. And... um, uh, and the tickets are at getgas.com. It'll sell out, not because I'm famous, but because the room holds like 50 people. So, yeah. uh, But it's Get Why Gas. Why do you like you like to do the rock venues? You said to me I want to do a rock venue. Yeah, I do like doing rock thing. venues. It's... Um, it's it's fun to mm-hmm. be able to do a rock venue. It's in that club. I would it, think it's a harder room. Um, you get because you get the, the but people, people who show up are there to see, see me. Yeah, okay. I mean it's not like when I open for bands. I mean that's got to be imp- that's I, the worst. Yeah. I, I don't know why we continue to do it, but comics like me and Florentine and 
post saying we still take those gigs, yeah. even though they're terrible. Yeah. But but I will do I'll do something where I'll cheat. And I go on stage. I'm, I, first time I opened for Metallica, I walked out on stage and said, my name's Craig Gass. I am Metallica's sound man. And everyone's like, yeah. And I said, and uh, the band has some very important announcements. And I just made up a bunch of crap that was not going to happen. Right. Everybody cheered. You may have heard some rumors, and it's true. Metallica is recording our first ever live album right here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so I need your attention. Uh, I need your attention. There's a proper way to yell on a live album, so we need to rehearse this. And they followed every fruity <laughs> instruction I gave them. And, yeah, there's actually a video of me opening for Motley Crue on what was their farewell tour mm -hmm. on YouTube. It's in an arena and everyone is going nuts. They're cheering. They're like, I love the sound, man. They're all like, yeah, this guy rules. And I'm lying. I'm, I'm getting away with murder, right. 10,000 people. But um, for some reason, we still take those gigs, you know? I, it's you like know, you want to feel cool. Yeah, you know, if you want to stand on a stage in front of 20, 30,000 people, that's a, that's a experience that not many people get to do. Yeah. I, I watched um, Sebastian Maniscalco the other night at the Forum. Do you see that? Yeah. Sold out L.A. Forum. In the center of that, and I'm like, who? This guy couldn't sell side splitters five years ago. Wow! And now he's in the center of the LA Forum, surrounded by celebrities and you know regular people who love his comments. Amazing to me. It is crazy to see guys who like shoot up after years and years of doing clubs. Who's the guy that has all the puppets? Dunham, Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Dunham. Yeah, Jeff Dunham was like a club comic for years, yeah. and now he's selling out like his. He's getting easily half a million dollars a night. Oh, yeah. Good easily. For Good Which for is him. insane. Doesn't he live around here? I don't know. Dunham. I don't know. Dunham came in the studio one time when he was the height of his success and brought that old man puppet out. Yeah. And I was like, how are we going to do a ventriloquist on the air? And on like, a radio show. And I'm like, the only way I'm going to do it is to just pretend everybody else could see the the puppet, too, you know? Yeah. And I did it, and I would ask him questions, and the puppet would answer, and... When he was done, he was like, that was the best radio interview I've ever done. I go, well, I just treated it like everybody could see it. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know what? There's questions I've always I should have been like, you should move your mouth. Nobody's watching. <laughs> There's questions yeah, I've always wanted to ask you, too, that, oh. um, um, because... The show is such a personal... I think there's an intimacy about morning radio uh -huh. that mentally ill people will fall into a trap of thinking that they're close to you. You ever, like, been scared for your life? I, I mean that... You ever, like, had a stalker? Uh, I'll tell you two things. One that I've never talked about before and one that... Uh, which I never really hid, but nobody really brought it up. Uh, I had a guy come to... He would call me a thousand times on my phone. And he would tell me he hated me, he was going to kill me and all that stuff. And on then, your cell phone? No, no, on my office phone okay. a couple of radio stations ago. And I uh, I went out to get something from my desk during the show, and the phone rang. And I was like, that's got to be him. So I answered the phone, I go, hello? And he goes, hello? And I go, yeah? And he goes, this is Kyle And I go, yeah. And he goes, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I go, then why do you call me every day and tell me you hate me and I suck and all that? He was like, uh, I was like, shut up. And I hung up. So he showed up at the station. And uh, he wanted to come in the studio, and everybody's like, you should bring him in. He's little. He's like Spanish his size. So they bring him in the studio. <laughs> he's, and, he's a little dweeb, yeah, like yeah. Spanish. But I'm a normal person. He was like a real like, like rednecky, <laughs> and he was real jittery, and everybody else on the show was like, why do you hate Cowhead? And he's like, I just, I just do. I don't like him. And he started making up these things, and he goes, and they were like, just, but take a look at the size difference. So I went over and I stood next to him, because I wasn't mad at all. Like, I didn't want to. And I stood next to him and just was towering over this guy. And they were like, do you still want to fight him? And the guy was like, no. And then it was like kind of funny. And then he pulled out this giant knife, 
which I don't really think it was dull. And and he ran. And when he ran out in the hall, we have salespeople and ladies that work there. So I ran after him. And you ran he, after a guy who had a knife. He look. I'd love to make myself seem like a superhero, but it was like a dull knife. And he was such a little guy. And I was afraid he was going to stab one of the ladies and on hurt the other somebody. Side. Yeah. So I ran after him, and he ran. He actually ran right in the back corner, which turned out was my cubicle. And I always used to scare people by going up and over the top. So I jumped up and over the top and grabbed him. And then once I got on him, he was he was uh, done. So then I gra- I had him like in a chokehold, and I just escorted him outside the building. And Mike Oliveira works here is always like. And then I opened the door, and there you are, opening the door with the guy's face. And I brought him in, and I br- and I put him in the elevator, and I held him. And the uh, somebody from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement was listening. And they drove over to the station while it was happening because they were live on the air when this was going on. And uh, by the time I got downstairs, they were there and they just took him. Wow. Now, it turned out that that guy was, he was on meds and he was off his meds. And when he was off them, he had this, uh, you know, this disillusion that I was doing things to him. He told them that I came and kicked his car door in and that I, I don't know, I would come into his house. I never didn't know the guy at all. And I... And, uh, Genuinely that, unstable, schizophrenic. Yeah, and then they called me one weekend on, at my house, and they said, hey, uh, we just arrested that guy. He was naked in a lake in an apartment complex, and when we took him out of the lake, he said he was coming to kill you. And they were like, we got him now, but hey, we have to tell you that. And I was like, okay. And then uh, wow. I found out sometime later that the guy killed himself. Wow. So I, I felt bad for that guy more than anything. Yeah. And then uh, since I worked here at this station, there was now this, the story you just told is yeah. that the one that you never talked about on the air. No, there was uh, I, I can't still can't talk about it on the air. But there was a station. There was an incident that happened since I worked here, where for a month security had to uh, sit outside my house overnight and then escort me to work and then escort me back home, and it was ridiculous. Really? Yeah, because I'm fully loaded at all times, so I'm like, I'm going to be fine. And they were like, no, no, we need that. And nothing ever came out of it, but it's one of those things where you have to... The funny thing was is they didn't tell me that security was going to be here, and I normally (laughs) get here first, and I pull in, and there's a guy backed into a spot, and I'm like, who's this guy? So I go right up to him with my car and put my headlights on and stuff, and he gets out, and I'm like, oh, this is going down. He's like, I'm with the cock security. I go, okay, whatever. And then I called. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> but I was like, I got this, dude. Because <laughs> I didn't want to make a big deal about it, and I thought it was a little bit unnecessary. But I, my both my kids were really young, and it, and it was something that happened at my house. So I was like, maybe them. we should have somebody there. Yeah, My radio buddy in Phoenix um, had a sales guy walk up to him one morning and say, dude, there's a, there's a girl in the lobby that wants to talk to you. She's She's hot. Yeah. And he goes, all right. So he walks out at the end of his show, and, and sure enough, there's an attractive woman in the lobby. And he goes, uh, how you doing? And she goes, oh, my God. I love you so much. And he's like, oh, hey. And he's he's playing, like, super cool guy. Like, uh, hey, how you doing? And, he goes, and the girl goes, you've talked to me before. Uh, and he goes, oh, really? Where? And she said, in my room. And she goes, well... Sometimes it's you, and sometimes you're Satan. You're uh, like a, yep. you're a shapeshifter. Wow. And he goes, "Oh, okay. Um, hey, hang on, I'll be right back." And he leaves a crazy woman <laughs> in the lobby. alone in the lobby with their old lady oh, receptionist. He uh, goes, "I'll be right back." And he calls the cops. Cops come over. They take the girl. They take her outside. And then the cops come in and they go, "John, you've got a problem. That woman." Has your home address on her license? Oh, oh! She thinks she lives oh, with you. Oh boy! And uh, but we're gonna and similar to what you just described, the police helped John 
with processing like you know we got a petition she's a schizophrenic and she needs meds so we're going to help you to petition the court to let them know that she needs to be put away and and she ended up getting put away and apparently will still occasionally show up at station events oh, wow. on meds now where she'll say to him like hey i just want to apologize about what happened back then and he's like it's cool it's yeah. cool and the, stop coming over. do you remember the woman that used to call howard and say that that he was talking to her through yes. his there was Walls a couple. The there was also a guy who said he was Jesus, and Mike, uh, Mike uh, Howard did a great thing where he put two guys who claimed to be Jesus on the show and like who's the real Jesus <laughs> and let them argue it out, <laughs> which is brilliant. That's funny. Which is brilliant. But I think the toughest thing about that story is the idea that the girl was hot because there is a yeah. part of a guy they'll be like, well. God, she does want to hook up with me, mm. like but say, she is crazy. Like, say, maybe she might be a little bit mentally challenged. <laughs> we, yeah. we also have one of those stories. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. We don't. Mike does. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 No, I'll yeah. bet Carmen has a hundred crazy guy stories. Carmen just gets D-picks all day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine hey, that life. From Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told her she won't know it's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, yeah, that's funny, man. It's uh, I had I told this story, I think, recently when I worked with Bubba. I would get in the morning, I would get him set up to do the show when I was a producer, mm -hmm. and then I'd go in the lobby and get the mail, because he's just leaving the lobby on the desk. You worked with Bubba? Yeah, oh, years and years. In 1997, this was. I didn't know that. So I walk All in the reason he has this job. Coattails. So I walk in the lobby, where no one's in the building except for us. I walk in the lobby, turn on the lights, and some woman jumps up, and she's like, Bubba? And I went, no. And she goes, oh, yeah. And I go, oh, no. And you're not supposed to be in here. And she's like, you're Bubba, and uh, I'm, I have papers to serve you, and I'm not leaving until you take them. And I go, "You first of all, I'm not Bubba. And second of all, you can't be in here. And she's like, well, I'm not leaving. I go, oh, that's cool. And I pick up the phone. I call 911. I go, hey, I work at 98 Rock. There's a crazy woman with a gun in her lobby. And I went, click. See you later, lady. And I left her locked, <laughs> locked in the lobby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Good luck with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a frightening thing, man. There's, um, like, movie stars seem like they're untouchable people on TV but when people listen to morning radio they feel like they know you yes which and is what we want Magnifico for the most part Magnifico yeah. oh yeah Magnifico. who is the lady who would listen from the the place where they held her the loony bin yeah there she is there she is look up on there she is so she said that she was married to Jesus yep uh -huh. and then she wound up showing up in the lobby and got totally naked yeah I got yeah. to work I got to work and security came and brought me into the building like I was the Beatles. I'm like, what's going on? They go, there's a naked woman in the bathroom and she was waiting for you. And I was like, well, let me see her. Like, no. Uh, no. No, no, no. It's no never what you think it's going to nope, be. ever. Same thing at comedy shows, man. There's, there's like, you know... People think like, oh, you must get laid all the time. There's opportunities that'll happen on the road, but it's never the girl you want it to right. be. Mm. Every once in a while, after a show... You'll see like a like a really beautiful woman will come up and go, oh my god, I love you, and then they'll leave with Chris Brown, and you'll be like, oh, all right. well, see ya, goodbye. You know? yeah, yeah, or yeah. sometimes you'll get like an attractive girl that will be looking at you, will be smiling at her, and then she's smiling at you, and then one drunk guy will get in between and go, dude, I got a story for you. Yeah. Gotta tell you a story. His name is Mahande, yeah. and he does that all the time. You gotta start telling these girls to Google your net worth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris Brown, uh, see you later. Uh, that's so funny. I don't know how one appearance on King of Queens, <laughs> one appearance on Sex in the City. Was it only one appearance on King of Queens? Because I feel like I've 
I've seen it a thousand times. If yeah, that's the case. it was. Yeah, it was supposed to be a recurring character, but um, the guy who wrote my character also wrote a movie called Hitch. Uh, oh, yeah. With uh, Kevin and Will Smith. Yeah. And once Kevin got a taste of movies, he was like, oh, let's, uh, let's, let's end the show. Yeah. Let's end the TV show and just do movies. And they did, and he just did movies from that point on. One appearance on uh, Sex and the City, a few random f- uh, American Dad and Family Guy. Like, how does that come out to Las 87? Vegas? Don't forget Las Oh, yeah, Vegas. Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin. I always want to stir the uh, drink with my wiener every time I see that. Dude, I told you, and forgive me, but do you mind if I tell you the story again about Alec Baldwin and that no, whole please like, do. fight? Well, first of all, Alec Baldwin every day was one of the most laid-back, cool hang guys. He'd always knock on my door every day and go, can I hear some more of your Al Pacino impression? <laughs> I love your Al Pacino. Can you do some more of your Al Pacino? And I'd have friends visit me on the set, and I'd go, yeah, hey, real quick, this is my friend Mike. He, he's visiting from Tampa. Can you do your uh, Tony Bennett impression? He did a Tony Bennett that yeah. would make you go like, what the hell does Tony Bennett sound like? And he grabs an empty martini glass, and he goes, yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh. I used to date uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe was a real foxy lady. I once made love to Marilyn for up to 12 hours <laughs> until the paramedics came along and said, Tony, she's gone. <laughs> the material was so dark. And then he would keep telling me stories about Al Pacino. He'd say, I got to tell you the story. I got to tell you the story. He says he almost got in a fist fight with Al Pacino. And he tells me this insane story one day that he... Alec Baldwin starred in a one-man show about Al Pacino's life. And the show was scheduled to open on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. That was supposed to be the opening day. So they end up only doing a total of two performances. It was supposed to be like a three-week run. And the problem with the play is that it was written by a former best friend of Al Pacino's. Okay. And the former best friend revealed a lot of personal information that Al Pacino just didn't want people to know. So Alec Baldwin says everywhere he goes, he keeps hearing from people who say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just I'm just relaying a message. I just saw Al Pacino at an event last week, and he says the next time he sees you, he's going to beat your ass. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but he wants to fight you. Right. He's that angry that he wants to fight you. So Baldwin keeps hearing from everybody that Al Pacino wants to fight him, and he says, one day I'm at my apartment building in Los Angeles. <laughs> the elevator door opens up. Who's in the elevator? It's Al Pacino, Beverly D'Angelo, and a real estate broker. They're looking for an apartment in my building. <laughs> and he said, as soon as the elevator door opened up, the Al Pacino looked at him and went, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, boy. Here we go. Beverly D'Angelo, completely clueless, jumps off the elevator and goes, Alec! Look who it is! It's Alec! We were just talking about you. are so political. You should be a president or something. Weren't we saying that, Al? Weren't we saying that? And he said the whole time, Al Pacino's looking at him going, Who, this guy? Yeah, this guy just does anything he wants. <laughs> Don't you, Alec? You just do anything you want. He said Beverly D'Angelo, clueless, goes walking down the hallway with a real estate broker in tow, and Al Pacino just eyeballs him as he walks past him, and Baldwin goes, Al, can I talk to you for one second? And he says, well, you got something you got to say to me? What do you got to say to me? That's so amazing. And he goes, listen, I know you know about the play. And he goes, play? You were in a play. <laughs> Tell me 
about your fruity little player. I'm dying to hear about your little player. And he goes, listen, I know you know about the play. I just want to tell you a few things. Number one. I wasn't going to do the play in your backyard. I was only going to do it in New York City. Number two, I only agreed to do the show for three weeks. And number three, and this is the truth, I've never had more fun than I did playing you. And that's the truth. And he said, Al Pacino looked at him and went, Alec, how in the world can you have fun being me? Because I'm miserable. <laughs> and they talked it out, and they ended up hugging it out, and they made up. And it was, I, I was, I had to poop when I was hearing the story. Yeah. I was so on the edge of my seat from that story. But they almost got in a fist fight. And he, and he said that it was a story that nobody knew. And I don't even know if I should be telling the story. But Your, your Pacino is incredible. I mean, is, a lot of people do Pacino, and they do it pretty good, but that is like I'm watching you, and you become Pacino. I well, anytime I do an impression, I always think of the person. Yeah, I don't think of the voice. I think of the of the person, and the voice is usually right there. It's like Christopher Walken will always stare uh, right through you, like he's talking to your ghost. Uh, um, or uh, Sandler is like uh, really nervous, <laughs> and uh, he can never make eye contact. Uh, and, uh, and you know, Tom Arnold is just like, nervous energy, and uh, you know, he's... Uh, That's uh, also great, because you kind of, your regular voice is a little bit in the cadence of Arnold, so the way you do it is, is oh, it's hilarious. This is Craig Gass, by the way. Uh, you can go to getgas.com to find out where he's going to be at the Pegasus Lounge this Saturday. And uh, if you have an opportunity to see him do comedy, please do so. He's a guy who's worth almost $90 million. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Be, There's a reason for that. He needs to be in Pegasus Lounge. Uh-huh. He's doing this for the fun of it. GetGasWithTwoS.com is where the tickets are at. It's funny. There's so many times, and it's happening right now, where every time I come in, I pull in the parking lot, I go over notes. Yeah. And I go, oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. And as soon as I walk in, everything goes yeah. out the window because you're like, oh, we got... A transsexual here who's like dancing for us. Yeah, it was a trans- kind of a calm day today. Yeah, yeah it was like yeah. the transsexual got on your. Oh, yeah. desk. That was uh, that was Francesca. Yeah, it yeah. was for the first time we got to see down the tunnel. Yeah, see yeah. down the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do the same thing. Like um, if I have a, somebody who's never been in here before. Everybody's like, what do you do to prepare? I go, oh, on the way to work, I write down like seven words. So yeah. to remind me to ask, just to remind me to ask. About these certain things, but other than that, I'd, I'd rather just let it flow. I, I know what I have. I know research. I know everything in my head. As a radio guest, because you do a lot of radio shows as a guest, yeah. I always hear you on Sirius XM. Do you uh, end up having a different perspective? I cannot be a guest on the show. Every show I go, I <laughs> need I try to, take to take over. over yeah. <laughs> Even when I was on Opie show, when Opie was still there and he's so type A, yeah. I went in there and I'm a little bit... I wouldn't say intimidated, but I know the I know the rules. It's his show. Right. And he's kind of a dick, so I'm going to chill out. But the last time I was on, I was like, I, I got questions. I got things. I got. And, and Opie just went like this. He just sat back. And he didn't care at that point. He was like, go ahead. And then um, Jim and Sam, the same thing. When I go on their show, they are like, they love when I drum up the drama between their other coworkers and stuff. Yeah. So they just let me run wild. Yeah. And, and I went on Bobby Kelly's podcast, and that had 12 people in the room. So I just sat there and sat there, and I didn't want to be a whatever. And then finally, there was so much drama between the employees. I looked at Bobby, and he's like, oh, go ahead. I was like, okay, listen to me. You're done. You got to go. You know. Really? And I just started, and that started a big fight between me and Luis Gomez, which we're cool now. But yeah, I just. Luis I, loves to scrap, man. Yeah, he does. He but loves it was my scrap. fault, and I still take it to, I started it. But the whole thing is that uh, 
you can't be in this position and not want to be that guy in every room. It bothers me. Like I was thinking, you were talking about um, being on set with Alec Baldwin and all that stuff. I don't, I don't have a lot of celebrities. Like I, you know, I love Pearl Jam. That's one one thing that I'm still starstruck by. But other than that, no, I'm not really. But my my anger comes from the fact that I want to interview everybody that I see. So if I see a celebrity, I'm not like I don't want to just go take a picture with them. I got questions. I want to know. You know what I mean? And then I get all frustrated. Because I can't do that. That's the only thing. Anybody I've ever hung out with that's a lot more famous than me, it's, I always just talk to them about comedy because once I start talking to them about how cool they are, you don't have, yeah, then I'm I don't, lost. I don't have, like, we met Vince Vaughn and, uh, and we got to chat with him for a little while. And, and my, also my intention with somebody like that is to never be a pain in the ass and say, hey, how you doing? Okay, thank you. And then let him go. Vince Vaughn. I was I was have, about to have a baby. I was about to have a baby girl, or maybe I just had her. I can't remember. But <laughs> and he's like, "I got girls. Girls are the best." You know what I mean? And we start talking about daughters. And then I said, "I also have guns." He's like, "You like guns? I got guns." And then he pulls out his wallet. He's like, I'm, uh, "I got a concealed weapons in Vegas. I got concealed weapons." And then, really? Yeah. And then we told him about it, and he goes, "Yeah." After a while, you were like, "How do we shake Vaughn? He won't leave yeah. us alone yeah. anymore." You hey know? Vince, we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm interested in them. I have. I'm naturally inquisitive, and I have questions that I want to ask about everybody. Dude, I. Uh, um well, I'm so embarrassing that if somebody recognizes me, I have talked to people until they get to the point where they go, yeah. all right. Yeah, I do that again. <laughs> I, I say that all the time. I go, people always like, I always say, people will t- tweet at me, hey, I saw you in the grocery store. I didn't want to bother you. And I always say, it's never a bother. Yeah. I'm happy every time somebody wants to take a picture or something. Yeah. And, go, and then I go, eventually, what the problem is is that you stop me in public and I go, hey, let me ask you about that. And they're like, hey, I got to go pick up my food. You know right. I mean? yeah. now I'm Now I'm burdening you. That's yeah. my biggest problem. I've done that so many times, but... If my my ex wife just broke up with it, if she's with me and somebody walks up and goes, I'm sorry, I just want, man, I think you're awesome. I go, hold on, babe, get over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, I go, say it in front yeah. of her. Say it in front yeah. of her. I always go to my kids. You hear that? He said that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And your kids mm-hmm. don't care. They don't care at all. No. Dude, I remember going to an Aerosmith show once. And again, we're going off the rails. So this is not what I wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. But a friend of mine who works for Aerosmith, uh, he says, uh, hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got you all set up tonight at Jones Beach. There's a kid that wants to meet you. His name's Tony. He's he's 12 years old. He loves you, and he's a big comedy fan. Can, do you mind if I introduce you? And I said, of course. So I go to Jones Beach. I go backstage, and my buddy goes, hey, can I introduce you to this kid? I go, absolutely. And I'm talking to this kid, and he goes, oh, my God. I love you so much. And I go, oh, right on, man. And he's asking me questions about the Stern show, right. about what's Beetlejuice like. and But I noticed that he's got a lanyard, and he's got, like, the all-access, like, Legitimate, you know, like yeah. top-notch laminate. And I go, how did you get that? And he goes, oh, it's my dad. I'm like, what does your dad do? And he goes, oh, my, my dad's Joe Perry. And I was like, your dad is Joe Perry? And you're talking to me? Are you serious? And he yeah. said, dude, my... He never wears a shirt. Like, oh, if I was your dad, I would never wear a shirt. That's right. If I'm 60 and I have abs, I'm not wearing if a shirt. If I looked like Joe Barry, I would never wear a shirt. But yeah. to him, it's like, Dad, put your shirt on. Right. Stop it. I always ask celebrities uh, if they have kids when their kid realized they were cool. And none of them have a definitive. They're always like, hmm, not until his friend started saying I was cool. And then, Or not until I got him tickets to go see something that had nothing to do with me. That's, yeah. That's when they become cool. Yeah, like when all those, like, uh, like... Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber shows happen in Seattle. I yeah. know a lot of my musician friends there will end up sitting backstage while their kids are like, you know, don't don't hang out yeah. with me. I need to talk to like Duff has three daughters and his three daughters are like, you know, don't don't talk to Justin. We're gonna talk to Justin. <laughs> like and it's like he's Duff McKagan. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? You ever see that picture of uh of Haley Baldwin 
when she was a little girl meeting Justin Bieber backstage. No way. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Really? She's all shy, and he's, like, being nice, and Stephen Baldwin's in the background. No that's, way. That's pretty, uh, and then she goes on to marry him. That's pretty funny. Oh, I didn't know about that. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Craig Gass is here. Craig is going to be at the Pegasus <laughs> I'm Lounge. I'm telling any of the stories I was planning on telling. Save them for Pegasus. Getgas.com with two S's. <laughs> Look, we have a couple of things we need to talk about. One is we have Pearl Jam coming on tour now. I know. I knew that was going to come up. Yep. I'm going to Madison Square Garden. Okay. You should go to that show, I'm just saying. <laughs> and then St. Louis, Missouri. Those You're are kidding. Two shows. They, every other show is like on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. Dude, that's literally the one show I'm planning on going to is St. Louis, well, Missouri. There you go. There it is. Are you serious? Got the tickets yesterday. Because I am performing the following weekend in St. Louis, and I felt weird about texting Mike and saying, hey, I'm going to be... It is, I swear to God. You want to just call him right now? <laughs> it's like 5 a.m. back in uh, Seattle right now. Mm-hmm. Mike's doing my roast. I'm doing a roast for my 50th birthday. And I got the guys from uh, I got Pearl Jam and System of a Down. And, I feel like uh, I should go to this roast. Maroon 5. Oh, my God. I, uh, they had tons of uh, uh, musicians and comedians doing the roast. And um, Where is this in, happening? In, in uh, Maui. Oh wow! At a theater called the Pro Arts Theater on Feb- on Saturday, February fifteenth. I'm turning fifty, and now we're gonna do a roast. But um, that's awesome. Uh, that you know what? It's funny because every time uh, I see them, uh, Pearl Jam, there's always stories about Mike. So Mike is the guitarist of Pearl Jam, and he's um, he's been a, a dear friend of mine for um, for over fifteen years now, and yeah. um, he's on my comedy special. Uh, worst comedy show ever, and um, every time I go to his show, he's always like trying to get other guys to come in and tell me stories. And his drummer has an amazing story because I guess everybody in that band is a Kiss fan, and I've been making fun of Kiss for, for forever. <laughs> and his drummer said that um, Matt had a story about when he was a teenager. I don't know if I told you this that he was in a cover band when he was a teenager, okay. a Kiss cover band, uh-huh. and they called themselves Kiss. <laughs> with the logo, kiss, and then like once a month they would do a party where they'd be like, okay, uh, Saturday night at Carmen's house, and then you got a map of you know Carmen's like home, and this is the cross streets, and then and then at eight p.m. kiss uh, at Carmen's yeah. house. So Matt says he gets a letter in the mail one day. From Casablanca Records, which is yeah. Kiss's record label, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And he calls all the other guys. He goes, "You know, we're gonna open it together. <laughs> we're gonna open it together. because he thinks they're gonna get a record deal." Right. He's like, "Oh my god, we're getting signed. <laughs> we're getting signed." And they open it up together, and it was a cease and desist. <laughs> they were 15 years old, you and they no got to use the name Kiss. You cannot use the name Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you pay, go to kissonline.com and click on my codpiece or whatever. But, <laughs> but, yeah, so, but they got to cease and desist from Kiss. That's great. It's almost as good as getting the record deal. Yeah, someone was uh, asking me about the um, uh, the other day about uh, Neil Peart, and uh, I have one Rush story. Were you a Rush fan? Yeah, I like Rush. I mean, you know, I, saw, I saw them once. It was the most I was boring. very enthusiastic. I mean, they're great yeah, music. I'm going to do my uh, my my call to impression. I want you to just uh, you ask me. You're going to be me. Okay. Say, uh, hey, you big Rush fan, and just see if you can read my body language. Uh, okay. Hey, Mike, you big Rush fan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I I like Rush's music. We went to see Rush. We sat in the front row, and it was the most boring show ever. It was. Was that here? Until the drum solo. Yeah. Yes. At the uh, amphitheater. Amphitheater. Yeah. Oh, at the amphitheater. I um uh. 
I did a show in Toronto, two huge shows at a place called the uh, uh, Panasonic Theater. This is where the $89 million comes in. <laughs> by the way. Uh, I did two huge shows at the, at the Panasonic Theater, and I called their manager, who was um, uh, a guy named Ray... Oh, man, what was that guy's name? Um, yes, I know who you're talking about. Ray He's Daniels. Metallica. Mm-hmm. Ray, Prime or whatever it is. Ray Daniels. No, Ray Daniels is SRO oh. management. Okay. Ray Daniels is based out of Toronto. At one time, they managed Van Halen. And Ray Daniels is Russia's manager. I wanted to invite Ray Daniels to my show. Uh-huh. And... I thought that he would get a kick out of my kiss jokes. I've been working on this epic piece called I Think Gene Simmons is Going to Kill Me that I thought he would <laughs> yeah. appreciate because Rush toured with Kiss a lot in their early days. And someone gave me the phone number for SRO management, and then it dawns on me that I don't know Ray, and I don't – like, why is he going to pick up the phone yeah, for me? Yeah, yeah. So when I call, I figured, well, maybe he'll pick up the phone for a celebrity – and then I called, and someone picked up and said, hello, SRO management. I said, hi, this is Gene Simmons <laughs> from KISS, and I need to speak with Ray Daniels, please. And she put me through. And yeah. then I heard, click, hi, Ray Daniels' office. Hi, this is Gene Simmons from KISS, <laughs> and I need to speak with Ray Daniels, please. And this woman goes, oh, um, Gene, actually, you know, uh, Ray is out of town today, but if you give me your cell phone number, I'll have him call you back tomorrow. And I said... How about you give me his cell phone numbers? And she went, okay, I just I just want to make sure that it's really you. And I mm-hmm. said, all right, then ask me a question. And she went, I'm sorry? You want to know if it's me? Ask me a question. And she went, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll ask you a question. Who's the greatest rock band of all time? And she went, I'm guessing it's Kiss. <laughs> That's right. And she went, all right, it's 416. And she gave me the phone number. And I was like, and I started writing down. I called this guy Ray up, and I got his voicemail. Boop. Ray. Oh, my God. I hope you have a good sense of humor. Yeah. My name's Craig Gass. I'm a comedian. I do voices on American Dad and Family Guy. And uh, I just prank called your assistant, and she gave me your cell phone number. I'm performing tomorrow night in Toronto. I never heard back from Ray. Never heard from the assistant. She I don't even fired. know if she's she probably got, got fired. fired. Yeah. I got fired, but yeah, I'd never heard back from anybody. But it that was my so only funny. rush story that I had. But, uh, but I, so- I want to remind everybody that while Craig is in town, if you get any phone calls from Al Pacino, <laughs> oh, yeah. anyway, second guess it. Second guess it for the entire if time. If you get a phone call from Burt Kreischer, yeah. Tracy Morgan, right. Tom Arnold, it's not happening. Yeah, that's Dude, not happening. It's great to see you. Thank you for great coming. To see you I too. hope will you let me know if you go to Kansas City to the program. St. Louis. Show? I'm sorry, St. Louis. You're St. right. St. Louis. Yeah, I plan on flying in that Saturday unless if Mike comes in on Friday. I might come in on Friday. Uh, I am coming in on Friday. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm leaving after the show. I'm going right out there. By the way, I love you for owning up to something, uh-huh. which was when I saw you at Wrigley Field for the Pearl Jam show. Yes. And I texted you, and I was never going to bring it up on the air, and you outed yourself. Okay. And I really am proud of you for for owning up to the fact that you went and sat in the <laughs> handicap section at Wrigley yeah. Field to get better seats. It's worse. My buddy Pete was like, I go, Pete, how do we get in the handicap section? He goes, I don't know. The tickets are on StubHub. I'm just going to buy them. It doesn't say you have to be handicapped. And I go, well, I would imagine you should be. And he goes, let's go rent a wheelchair. I'll go in the wheelchair. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then the guy from Murderball was there in the thing with me. And I'm like, well, let him get in front of us at least. Yeah, it was, Oh, my God. I have to tell you, that, that was one of the weirdest but most awesome experience because by the end of the night I'm drinking wine with Eddie Vedder. It's, you don't get any better than that. Yeah, that was it was yeah. a really amazing night. But when you texted me and I said, "Hey, dude, 
I have something. For, I always it's it's really silly, but like like if I'm at an Aussie show, yeah. and Jim Norton is there, I'll find Jim and give him guitar picks yeah, and yeah, set yeah. lists. And I want to do the same for you. I go, oh, you gave me the Eddie Vedder pick. I go. I got a, I got some. Uh, I got a souvenir for you. Uh-huh. And uh, where are you at? And you said I'm in the handicap section. I go. All right. Where are you at? And you go. I'm in the. Hand-. And I go. What? And I walked out. And there he is with yeah. a bunch of people with wheelchairs yeah. and Mike standing. Next to him. <laughs> it was amazing. I made, Pete, I made Pete limp in. So that was amazing. All right. We have a date in Missouri. My friend. All right, man. Saturday night, uh, Pegasus Lounge here in Tampa, and all the infos at getgas.com. By Get- the way, I believe it's not in Tampa, is it? It's like in Pinellas Park or something. Somewhere no, there, it's right? not. It's over on Florida Avenue. Florida oh, Avenue. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Near right. beers. Sorry, I was wrong. Yep, and it's uh, getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com to get the tickets for good. Saturday night. Great seeing you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. It was good to see yeah, you, too. Yeah, we will take an extended break. It's Mike Calta show, yes. Death Bull Picks. Death Bull Picks and Pastrami uh, next. Yeah. You're listening to the Mike Calta show on 102.5. Five the bone. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, if it's worth talking about, we're talking about it on the bone. Let's talk. Call in 727-579-1025 or 800-771-1025. Hey, I'm not on the air, am I? Nailed it. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.